part three of two american slavery documents by various this LibriVox recording is in the public domain part three life of james mars a slave born and sold in connecticut by james mars when i was in my twentieth year a nephew of mr munger came to board with him he was studying law mr munger and i were accustomed to talk about my term of service with him i told him i did not mean to stay with him until i was twenty-five he said he thought i would if i meant to do what was fair and just i told him that my brother had his time when he was twenty-one and i wanted my time he finally had some talk with his nephew who said that he could hold me but finally mr munger made me an offer of what he would give me if i would stay i thought the offer was tolerably fair i had now become attached to the family i told him that i would stay as he had often said he thought i ought to stay after i was twenty-one i thought i would divide the time with him in part as the offer he made would not cover the whole time all was fixed and i worked on nothing more was said for a long time about it then the thing was spoken about and the same mind was in us both and i felt satisfied the fall previous to my being twenty-one came all was right as i thought the winter came and nothing was said the last of february came i heard it hinted that mr munger had said that he should not make any bargain with me but if i left him he would follow me the thing was understood by us and i paid no attention to it march came and nothing was said the third of march was my birthday all was quiet and i kept on as before until the first of april it was told me that mr munger said that his nephew had examined the law and found that he could hold me and what he gave me would be his unless he was bound by a written agreement as there were no writings given i began to think it was time to know how it was there was another thing now came to mind when i was thirteen years old mr munger bought a calf of my father and gave it to me and said he would keep it until it was two years old and then i might sell it and have what it brought he kept it he had a mate for it and when the steers were two years old he sold them for twenty-four dollars he then told me that he would give me a heifer of the age the steer was and when she had a calf he would take her to double in four years when i was seventeen he gave me a heifer and she had a calf that spring and the first of april he said he would take her and at the end of four years from that time he would give me two cows and two calves that was agreed on the next year in march or april one of his oxen hooked my cow it hurt her so that the cow died well now what was to be done he said at the time agreed on i should have my cows i was content with that and worked on feeling that all would be made right i thought i should have two cows with those calves when i was twenty-one and that would be a beginning afterward i agreed to stay with him until i was twenty-five i could let them until that time i will now go on with my story i asked him for my cows and calves he said he should not let me have any he said if i stayed and did well perhaps he would give me a cow i asked him if that was all that i was to have if i stayed until i was twenty-five he said he would see i asked when he would see he said when the time came 
i then told him i had been told that warren that was the name of his nephew had told him not to give me what he had agreed to and i wanted to know if he would do as he had agreed to or not he said i belonged to him and i could not help myself i told him i would stay with him as i had said if he would give me a writing obligating himself to give me the sum we had agreed upon after hesitating a short time he said he would not give a writing he would not be bound i told him i had got that impression and if you say you will not give me what you said you would i will not work another day he then said if i left him he would put me in jail and keep me there a year at any rate this was on saturday the next day i picked up what few duds i had and at evening as it was the sabbath i told him i had done all the work for him that i should do i then bade him good-night and left his house and went to my father's the next day in the afternoon mr munger and nephew came to my father's with a sheriff i was not in the house he told my father that he would pay my board in jail for one year and i could not help myself they took what few clothes i had and went away before i got home it was well it was so i told my father that i would stay in jail as long as mr munger would find money i sent the word to mr munger he sent me word that i should have an opportunity to my people wanted to have me go away for a time i thought at first i would then i saw that i had nothing to go with and had no clothes for a change i would not leave i told them i would go to jail i thought perhaps i could get the liberty of the yard and then i could earn something to get some clothes and then i would leave for canada or some other parts a few days after i heard that mr munger said he would leave it to men how it should be settled and he sent me such word i sent word to him no i was going to jail if he would keep his word he finally said as i had always been faithful he would not or had rather not put me in jail my parents said so much they did not want to have me go to jail that i finally said i would leave it to three men if they were men that i liked if they were not i would not he said i might name the men their judgment was to be final the men were selected the time and place specified the day came the parties met and the men were on hand mr munger had his nephew for counsel i pled my case myself a number of the neighbors were present mr munger's counsel began by saying that his uncle had bought me and had paid for me until i was twenty-five and that he had a right to me i then told his nephew that i would have a right to him some day for he was the cause of all the difficulty he said no more the arbitrators asked mr munger if he had anything against me he said he had not they asked him in case they gave him anything if he wished me to work it out with him he said he did they went out in a few moments and returned and said that i must pay mr munger ninety dollars he then asked me to go home with him and he would hire me i told him i would go and get my clothes for that was in the decision he said i could have them his nephew did not want me to live with his uncle if he boarded with him i told mr munger that i would not work for him i hired to another man and went to work in the same neighborhood this nephew kept an eye on me for a long time and always gave me the road whenever he saw me coming 
mr munger and family always treated me with attention whenever i met them they made me welcome to their house and to their table if that nephew had not interfered there would have been no trouble things all went on pleasantly in about four years i went there again to work and in a short time mr munger and his two daughters joined the church of which his wife was a member i joined the same church and was often at his house mr munger was unfortunate and lost his property not as people lose their property now he was poor and not very healthy and his wife and daughter that was not married not being healthy and he being a man advanced in life it wore upon him and his family and his daughter went into a decline i went west and was gone about three months and on my return went to see the family and found the daughter very much out of health and wasting away i called again the next day but one as i had been accustomed to take care of the sick she asked me to stop with her that night i did so and went to my work in the morning the second day after i called again to see her and she made the same request i stayed and washed with her that night she asked what i thought of her i told her i feared she would never be any better she then asked me to stay with her if she did not get any better while she lived i told her i would a cousin of hers a young lady was there and we took the care of her for four weeks i mention this because it was a time to be remembered and cherished by me while i lived we were in the daily habit of speaking of her prospects and how she felt she would speak of death with as much apparent composure as of any other subject she said very little to her friends about her feelings the day that she died was the evening of the sabbath about six o'clock in the afternoon or rather all that day she did not appear to be as well but at the same time just mentioned she sunk away and seemed to be gone for a short time when she revived as one out of sleep suddenly and seemed surprised and said there is nothing that i want to stay here for let me go she then bade her friends farewell and told them not to weep for her for she was going her countenance seemed as if lit up with heavenly love and for a short time she seemed to be away from the world and then was still and said but little about eleven o'clock she wanted to be moved she was moved she then wanted to drink i gave her or put the glass to her lips she did not swallow any i saw there was a change and before her friends could get into the room her spirit had fled that was a scene that i love to think of it makes me almost forget that i ever was a slave to her father but so it was i stayed until she was buried and then i went west again her parents were broken-hearted indeed i returned from the west and spent a part of the summer with mr munger i afterwards worked where i chose for a few years i was frequently at mr munger's house he seemed depressed his health rather declined and he finally sank down and was sick he sent for me i went to him and he said he wished to have me stay with him i told him i would and i stayed with him until he died and closed the eyes of his daughter when she died and his also and now to look back on the whole transaction it all seems like a dream it is all past never to be reacted that family have all gone 
with one exception appendix this appendix is by request of those who have read what is before it after the death of mr munger i married a wife and lived in norfolk a few years we had two children we went to hartford after a while i worked for the then known firm of e and r terry there was a man came to hartford from savannah with his family he came to school his daughter he brought a slave girl with him to care for the smaller children my wife washed for the family all went on well for about two years the southern man's name was bullock and the slave's name was nancy one day when i was at work at the store a gentleman came where i was he asked me if this was deacon mars i said yes sir he said mr bullock was about to send nancy to savannah and we want to make a strike for her liberty and we want some man to sign a petition for a writ of habeas corpus to bring mr bullock before judge williams they tell me that you are the man to sign the petition i asked him who was to draw the writ he said mr william w ellsworth i went to mr ellsworth's office with the man i signed the petition i then went to my work i told mr ellsworth that it would cause an excitement if he wanted me at any time i would be on hand the writ was served on mr bullock and he was brought before judge williams but nancy could not be found the court adjourned till eight o'clock the next morning at night nancy came to the house where they were boarding she had been out as she was accustomed to go with the children mrs bullock told nancy to go to bed she somehow had an idea that all was not right she opened the door and gave it a swing to shut but it did not shut as she said afterwards she thought she would see what they were talking about she said mrs b told mr bullock to start in the morning at four o'clock with nancy for new york never mind the bond and send nancy south i omitted to mention that the court put mr bullock under a bond of four hundred dollars to appear the next morning at eight o'clock the plan to send nancy south was fixed on nancy said to herself when you come where i be i won't be there she went out of the house and went to the house of a colored man and stopped for the night the next morning the court sat master and slave were both there the court said it was the first case of the kind ever tried in the state of connecticut and the supreme court of errors was to meet in ten days and was composed of five judges he would adjourn the trial until the session of that court during those ten days i had a fair opportunity to see how strong a hold slavery had on the feelings of the people in hartford i was frowned upon i was blamed i was told that i had done wrong the house where i lived would be pulled down i should be mobbed and all kinds of scarecrows were talked about and this by men of wealth and standing i kept on about my work not much alarmed the ten days passed away the supreme court of errors sat judge williams was chief judge the case was argued on both sides when the plea was ended then came the decision two of the court would send nancy back to slavery two were for her release we shall hear from williams to-morrow at eight o'clock at the time appointed all were in attendance to hear from judge williams the judge said that slavery was tolerated in some of the states but it was not now in this state we all like to be free this girl would like to be free he said she should be free 
the law of the state made her free when brought here by her master this made a change in the feelings of the people i could pass along the streets in quiet nancy said when she went into the courthouse on the last day she had two large pills of opium had she been sentenced to go back she would have swallowed both of them before she left the courthouse now to my family i have said that i had two children born in norfolk and six in hartford one died in infancy i lived in hartford about sixteen years i took a very prominent part in the organization of the talcott street church i moved from hartford to pittsfield massachusetts when i had been there three years and a half my wife died in november the may following i lost a son sixteen years of age my oldest son enlisted in the u s navy when he was eighteen and has followed the sea ever since i had another that went to sea that i have not heard from for eight years my oldest daughter went to africa to cape palmas she went out a teacher and has been there five years i have one son who when the war broke out when the first gun was fired on sumter wanted to enlist and did enlist in the navy and went out in the brig bainbridge and served until she was stopped for repairs he then went on the newburn and served his time and was an honorable discharge another and the last one enlisted in the artillery and went to new orleans but never no never came back nor will he ever come again i have a daughter in massachusetts of a frail constitution she has a family to care for i have none to care for me that has anything to spare yet my children are willing to help as far as they are able as they are not able i feel willing to do all that i can to help to get my living the question is sometimes asked me if i have not any means of support the fact is i have nothing but what i have saved within the last three years i have spent a portion of that time with my book about the country i am now in my eightieth year of age i cannot labor but little and finding the public have a desire to know something of what slavery was in the state of connecticut in its time and how long since it was at an end in what year it was done away and believing that i have stated the facts many are willing to purchase the book to satisfy themselves as to slavery in connecticut some told me that they did not know that slavery was ever allowed in connecticut and some affirm that it never did exist in the state what i have written of my own history seems to satisfy the minds of those that read it that the so-called favored state the land of good morals and steady habits was ever a slave state and that slaves were driven through the streets tied or fastened together for market this seems to surprise some that i meet but it was true i have it from reliable authority yes this was done in connecticut august twenty second eighteen sixty six i had a fall and uncapped my knee that laid me by ten months so that i was unable to travel or do anything to help myself but by the help of him that does all things well i have got so as to be able to walk with a staff during the time that i was confined with my knee i met with kind treatment although i was away from home 
i was in the state of new york at the time of my misfortune away from any of my relations still i was under the watchful care of a friend that sticketh closer than a brother he has thus far provided for me and i feel assured that he will if i trust him with all my heart and soul and strength and serve him faithfully which is my duty the few years or days that are allotted to me and it is my prayer that i may have grace to keep me that i may not dishonour the cause of christ but that i may do that which will be acceptable in the sight of my heavenly father so that i may do good to my fellow-men one thing in my history i have not mentioned which i think of importance although born and raised in connecticut yes and lived in connecticut more than three-fourths of my life it has been my privilege to vote at five presidential elections twice it was my privilege and pleasure to help elect the lamented and murdered lincoln i am often asked when slavery was abolished in connecticut my answer is the legislature in seventeen eighty eight passed an act that freed all that were born after seventeen ninety two those born before that time that were able to take care of themselves must serve until they were twenty-five my time of slavery expired in eighteen fifteen connecticut i love thy name but not thy restrictions i think the time is not far distant when the colored man will have his rights in connecticut End of part three of Life of James Mars, a slave born and sold in Connecticut by James Mars.